Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You're listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Very exciting win over the... Uh, LA Rams. I think that there were a number of times throughout the game where there were opportunities to put more points on the board and make it an even more convincing win. In fact, really just a drubbing of the Rams. A couple little execution issues, maybe some uh, questionable officiating. Overall, the game really was never close. Uh, I don't think that at any point during the game you felt like the Rams had much of a chance. I'm going to apologize in advance. The uh, program we usually use to record uh, for Gil and I was not working, so we had to record a Skype call, and the, the sound quality wasn't quite good enough. So uh, at the beginning and end of the show, you hear my voice in the normal audio quality, and then the meat of the podcast is going to sound a little bit different. Uh, sorry about that. Nothing we could do about it. The software just wasn't working. Okay, uh, hopping into our discussion right now. We are turning our attention to Christmas Day and the Miami Dolphins. All right, Gil, we are going to be talking about the Miami Dolphins, who actually are on a three-game losing streak right now. So, you know, Packers are coming off a two-win streak uh, with a bye sandwiched in there. And I think if you had... If you had met the Dolphins at a different point in the season, you would have been much more worried about facing them than you you feel right now, despite the fact that they're clearly a a good team. Uh, The interesting thing is it's actually the second losing streak, uh, three three loss streak for the Dolphins this year from weeks four through six. uh, Tua was missing some time, obviously, and they lost to the Bengals, Jets, and Vikings during that stretch. Tua is back, but he is having himself a a challenging uh, couple of weeks here. The offense has not been looking as good as previously. They are coming off a 32 to 29 loss to the Bills. Uh, of course, have a quite quite a good uh, defense. But man, if you're gonna face the Dolphins, uh, this is one of the more opportune times of the season to go up against them. It is. The the thing that concerns me is, you know, you mentioned that the offense struggled. They struggled definitely in San Francisco and against the Chargers, but they did put up 29 points last week against a very good Buffalo defense. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, I think that gave them a confidence boost where they went up against one of the best teams in the league on the road and, you know, went toe to toe with them. Similar, I think, in some ways to the way the Packers felt after their loss in Philadelphia, where, 
yeah, they didn't win the game, but they played better than everybody expected, and it did give them a confidence boost. So, yeah, I'd rather face them now than, like, five weeks ago, but I, I think that Buffalo game is giving them the uh, a, a little jolt of confidence, that and the fact that they're playing their first home game since Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it's a good point. So, you know, the other thing that – gives you a little bit of pause is just the uh, Packers record in Florida over the last few years, uh, whether they're playing the, the last time they played the uh, Dolphins in Florida, they did win. But of course they went down to Tampa and they lost to the Bucks. They went to, uh, let me see here. Um, well, they lost to the, to the saints in Jacksonville. Saints in Jacksonville. I was trying to see if they, uh, how they did the last time they played the Jaguars. So that was a, a win. Um, well, well, they did beat Tampa in Tampa this year. That is true. That is true. So, and and that snapped um, a step, a, a, a two game losing streak against Tampa that included, of course, a home game that doesn't really count. Um, so yeah, that is a good point. I forgot about, about that game. I think, one of the things that maybe makes you more concerned is just that the Packers are practicing in this super cold weather up here. And then the transition to go down late in the season to Miami and play in the heat, a little bit of a different story, maybe. It is uh, on the good side of things though. It's not going to be super hot. You know, we have this Arctic blast that's (laughs) affecting so much of the country it's it's only going to be, I think, about the forecast says about 60 degrees at game time, which is a lot different than 85 and humid. Yeah, I see that. Uh, it looks like a, a low of 54 degrees. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, that, that could be a good time. The the Packers uh, seem like they are excited to go down there uh, and have some fun down in Florida, which is not really what I want to hear. But, you know, whatever. Um we got to talk about the fact that they they did play a very complete game against the Rams. I think all three phases of the Packers football team looked pretty solid for all four quarters. There were some times where you had some frustrations with the defense, particularly on third and long, kind of felt like they couldn't do anything right. But, you know, holding uh, any opponent to just 12 points, even even the Rams, that is nothing to complain about at all. And I think that um, although the the overall execution on the day wasn't quite where you want it to be um, to to beat a better opponent than the Rams, it was very encouraging that there was not any one phase of the game that just like the, the whole year it has felt like what is going on? You know, you watch like you know maybe the the run defense cannot stop a running nose all day long or the passing game just can't get going on offense. It felt like everything was being executed at a consistent level. And you know what? I'll take that. And and if they can build on that and keep being consistent, but then elevate the level of play, I think you're, you're looking at a, maybe one of the better teams in the NFL. I mean, honestly. Well, look, I, I think the key is this. The Packers played very well the last two games, but it was against the Bears and the Rams, who yes, combined do not have as many wins as the as the Dolphins do. Yes, so, but they covered the spread, so they they outperformed the expectations that Vegas had for them that were that had the crappiness of the opponent already baked in. So yeah, you know, I think yeah. that matters. 
But, well, what matters is, can they get that job done against a quality opponent? And that that's the question that we're going to get answered this Sunday in Miami. Because, look, let's face it. In order to make the playoffs, we all know the Packers have to win out. The easy part of winning out was beating the Bears and the Rams. Now it gets tougher. This is the last road game of the season. It is in Florida against a team that probably will make the playoffs in the AFC. You pull that win off, and then you've got two home games against division opponents. It gets a little more possible if you if you pull off the upset this Sunday. And uh, to me, this is this is the the game that is the truest test of the Packers' chances of making the playoffs to date. Well, the Packers are four-point dogs in this game. They cover the spread in their last two wins against the Bears and the Rams. Prior to that, uh, they did play, I think, a very competitive game with the Eagles, but they failed to cover the spread. That was largely just you know, a horrific defensive collapse. After that 40-point uh, game that they gave up to the Eagles, they allowed 19 points to the Bears, who have been putting up way more than 19 points recently, and 12 points to the Rams. Certainly an improvement from a point standpoint and a yard standpoint for the defense these last two weeks. Um, the week before the Eagles game, they also failed to cover the spread. They were actually three and a half point favorites against the Titans. And of course they lost that game by 10 points. Uh, very embarrassing. Um, if you look, uh, going back to week eight against the bills when they were 10 and a half point dogs, the biggest, um, uh, biggest underdogs they have been since like the eighties, I think. Yeah. Uh, they, of course they covered that spread and they are four and three against the spread since week eight. So uh, looking at, at at this you know line here, four points um, underdogs to the Dolphins. It seems like Vegas does have a pretty good feeler at this point on where the Packers are at. Uh, of course, there was a stretch earlier on in the season from the Patriots through the Commanders game that. Uh, four game stretch where they were hilariously off um, every single week. Uh, Vegas was, I mean, they had um, nine and a half point favorites against the giants. And of course they lost that game by five points. So, you know, but now it feels like this new version of the Packers um, is a little bit easier to predict. And I think that makes sense because at this point you have a, a better sense for what the offense is actually going to do. You know, that stretch earlier on in the year, there were times when you had questions, uh, you know, whether the Packers were going to be able to string together two scoring drives in a single game. And so now I think the the offense at least feels predictable in a good way, predictable in terms of you think that they're going to score every so often. Um, and, and that's something that you can actually kind of count on. Now they got Christian Watson back. And if the defense is actually doing better, like the uh, box score indicates over the last two weeks, I think that that is an encouraging sign for trying to get through this uh, sort of, um, you know, minefield of these last three games against the Dolphins, Vikings and Lions. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the offense is certainly playing better and it's been playing better since Aaron Rodgers thumb started to heal. And obviously since Christian Watson uh, had his breakthrough game against Dallas, I think the 
The increased continuity along the offensive line also is a factor in that. But they're still not really hitting on all cylinders. They left a lot of points on the field against the Rams with, I mean, the the interception by Rodgers is ugly. The fumble, I, I still think the forward progress of Aaron Jones was stopped before he fumbled that ball, but that wasn't, you know, was never reviewed and, uh, or wasn't overturned, but they, they, they still aren't really hitting on all cylinders offensively. For sure. For sure. And, and they're getting there. They're getting there. But, but again, the, to me, the difference that I'm looking at coming into this game, the Miami defense is significantly better than the Rams were without Aaron Donald, obviously and certainly better than the Bears' defense is. Let's see how they do against a a team that is a little bit better defensively and a team where they're going to have to score, in my estimation, pretty close to 30 points to have a chance to beat Miami. Let's let's talk about uh, Miami's strengths and weaknesses here. Um, Let's first just touch on uh, a couple key injuries. Um, so Jalen Phillips, edge rusher for the Dolphins, has been having a fantastic season. He has a leg injury, so that is some uh, you want to monitor that status and see, uh, you know how he's trending as we get closer to Christmas Day. And uh, then Teron Armstead, their tackle, also has a leg injury. He's also questionable to play. So just keep an eye on those for the Dolphins. And then uh, for, of course, uh, Trey Flowers, uh, you know, their other uh, big name edge rusher, he's on uh, IR. So that, just something to, to keep an eye on. For the Packers, the the big injuries to be monitoring, uh, Aaron Jones, who had to exit the Rams game. Um, sorry, uh, A.J. Dillon had to exit the Rams game. He was evaluated for a concussion, clear concussion protocol. That's fantastic news. Of course, Aaron Jones has been a little bit banged up. But the only guys who were not present at practice on Thursday, we're recording this on Thursday night, were uh, David Bakhtiari, who is still coming back from his um, appendectomy. appendectomy. Yeah. And then I think uh, Mercedes Lewis, is that correct? Was the only other yeah, guy? Yeah, that's Vagrant's best. So I'm not of course. about that. Yeah. Of course. So the Packers are extremely healthy. If you look at really the only guy who you're missing is the guy who just had surgery to remove his appendix, and that's not even a football injury. Holy moly, that extra long uh, bye week that they had that then also saw them not play until Monday night really gave them the opportunity to get fully healthy. So no excuses left when it comes to injury. Uh, I mean, you know, you, Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes being on IR, the only things that you can you know complain about at all. And and they're not coming back. So this is just who the team is at this point. We're not getting Rashawn Gary or Eric Stokes back this year. I, I, I not even the, for the playoffs. So uh, let's talk about the, about their strengths and weaknesses. The the biggest issues that the Dolphins have. First of all, their offensive line has really been struggling lately. Um, they they do a decent job of run blocking. You know, good, not great, but they are certainly below average when it comes to pass blocking. Um, and then defensively, this team has a hard time tackling. So, you know, really could see Aaron J- or uh, A.J. Dilling rumbling for a bunch of broken tackles. And then also in coverage, this is a, a bad coverage team. It's also a bad special teams uh, unit as well. So these are things to be looking at in terms of areas where you can pick on the Dolphins. And they're not a fantastic running team either. They do, a, I would say, a better job run blocking 
than actually running the team, uh, running the ball maybe. But of course, you know the guy who's there, Raheem yeah. Mostert. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, you look at them statistically, their running numbers, the average yards per carry is solid, but they don't run the ball a lot. They are a pass-first offense. They want two a passing down the field. And if you want to talk about strengths, you got to start with Tua throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, which may be the best duo of wide receivers in the league right now. Tua, by the way, uh, when it comes to passing the ball, he has been having um, definitely a, an off stretch. These last three games have been uh, pretty brutal for him. I finally dropped him for my fantasy team because I needed a, a roster spot and I had a sec- another quarterback. Um, the last two weeks uh, against the Chargers and the Bills, 49.7 uh, offensive grade in both games. Get a 45 passing grade against the Chargers, 46.9 passing grade against the Bills. And if you look over the last four weeks, uh, which includes the decent game he had against Houston, but in the last four weeks, Houston, San Francisco, L.A. Chargers, and Buffalo, he ranks 30th in the NFL in terms of catchable passes. Um, He has, let me see here, uh, 24 turnover-worthy plays compared to 37 big-time throws. Um, so, sorry, 20, 25. Let me let me back this up. Yeah. I wrote this down and then jumbled up how I read my notes. All right. 24. He's 24th out of 37 quarterbacks in the last four weeks. He ranks 24th in terms of 20, uh, turnover-worthy plays. Not good. No, not good. Yet his numbers for the season remain outstanding. His quarterback rating for the year, 107.8, 24 touchdowns, just five interceptions, and, uh, you know, 8.6 yards per attempt. So recently struggling, but over the course of the season, some pretty outstanding numbers right there. I mean, the 107.8 quarterback rating puts him right at the top of the league. Yeah, and it helps to to have the full context, understand he was absolutely on fire weeks 8 through 10. That's Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland. He had a 96.8 grade, 83.8, 91.9. And that's where the majority of uh, the the good grade for the season has come. Um, he threw for nine touchdowns and zero interceptions during that three-week span. He had another span earlier on in the season, weeks two through four, where he was uh, playing at a, a very high level, not quite as you know just astronomical superstar as he was through those three. Um, but so those six games out of the whole season have really accounted for the bulk of his good production, and and over the last. Three weeks, he's thrown uh, five touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, he's, uh, let me see, where's his fumbles? He's, I think he said two fumbles. Um, I don't see where, where the fumbles are, but he has. Um, two fumbles is correct. Thank you. He, he's streaky. Let, let's put it straight up. Yeah, and, and there was an true. injury at, at, at one point during the season that certainly slowed him down. But, and, and caused him to miss a few games. He is right. streaky, and if he's on, he is in in a one very difficult player to stop. But if he's off, you can take advantage of some of those mistakes and 
you know, it will be huge to the Packers if he's not at his best and they can slow down this attack because, boy, uh, you know, I'm concerned about the matchups of the Packers secondary, specifically the Packers secondary as uh, engineered in a defense by Joe Barry going up against Waddle and Hill as the receivers. Yeah, I mean, that that right there is, I think, the biggest key to the game. So, uh, Gil, uh, just pop quiz. If I were to ask you the uh, four highest graded players on offense for Miami. All right. Uh, Tua is up there. Right. Uh, the other the other two, two of the other guys are going to be really easy to guess. Go ahead and do that right now. Who are the other two really highly graded guys? Well, it's got to be Hill and Waddle. It is. Okay. But who do you think is the fourth highest graded player on offense? I, d- I don't think that you could ever come up with this. Uh, bu- 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 it's River Craycraft, the former 49er. <laughs> He's, he has been absolutely electric for them. And uh, when I was looking at uh, you know who uh, Miami media was talking about in terms of like injuries that they were nervous about. And I saw River Craycraft on the list. I kind of chuckled at first, like, come on, River Craycraft is not somebody you're really nervous about missing. No, he's been their third best receiver and he's been, I mean, quite good. Uh, he's got 79.5 grade on the season. Uh, looking at uh, total production here. Well, look, uh, when, when everybody stands pass- out. He's caught eight yeah. passes all year. Yeah, but one thing that he uh, really has helped them in a huge way is blocking. He's a fantastic Correct. blocker. Um, uh, the, the guy has uh, – I mean, if, if you're trying to, to figure out, like, who he most resembles on the Packers' offense, I think you would look at the role that Sammy Watkins played for us uh, just in terms of, like, when you watch any of these these big plays, like okay, Christian breaks a run or you know goes fifty yards or whatever, who else is on the screen right there? Is Sammy Watkins executing a key block for him? Right. And I think that that matters a lot. If River Craycraft can't go, you're you're gonna feel his his absence more than you're gonna see it. If if that makes sense, it does make sense, and it'll be important if he's not able to go. But you know, he's the, one of those guys that. If you don't watch the Dolphins week in and week out, you're not going to realize how important he is to the offense. If you're familiar with the team and you watch them play all the time, you'll see that they are definitely a better team when he's on the field. No question about it. And, you know, you mentioned he's only caught eight passes all year. He does have two touchdowns on those eight receptions. Yes, yes. Just just worth pointing that out. So, all right. So looking um, over uh, the lineups, we mentioned that the offensive line is kind of an issue. Well, uh, one of their better offensive linemen is Teron Armstead, the left tackle. Mm-hmm. If he can't go, you are looking at some shuffling around and really some issues because they already have a suspect right tackle in Shell, Brandon Shell, the former Seahawk, um, who is just a horrific pass blocker. I mean, whoever you line up over him, I think is going to uh, probably get a couple sacks on the day. And then uh, their left guard, Robert Jones, um, bit of a weak link as well. Uh, Connor Williams, their center has been having a fantastic season. Uh, he's, he's kind of the only guy on the offensive line 
um, other than Teron Armstead, who really stands out. It's kind of those two guys and nobody else. So, uh, you know, if you can get some interior pressure, I think Devontae Wyatt might be a really nice mismatch for Robert Jones. I would like to see that. Can we please get Devontae Wyatt more than nine freaking snaps in a game? (laughs) That's in my game preview article. So, yeah, I agree 100 percent. Time to get Devontae Wyatt on the field and making some plays where, I mean, what is Dean Lowry giving you on a game-in and game-out basis? Uh, oh, my gosh. We could do a whole podcast about it. I, 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 and we probably will during the offseason. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's 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 look at how the Packers defense stacks up here. Uh, I, I, I want to see very little playing time for Jaron Reed and, uh, I mean, honestly, probably and Dean Lowry in, in lieu of getting Devontae Wyatt some more opportunities. Um, Kenny Clark, I think the last couple weeks has started to pick things up a little bit. He really had a, he really had a horrific stretch through the month of November and even October, but Mr. Mr. December is what we've always called him. Uh, he's starting to wake up a little bit and the run defense has improved. I would say since the second half of the bears game. So you got about six quarters of decent run defense from this defensive line. And I think that you have certainly felt the difference there as opposing offenses have had to throw it more. Um, but again, you know, we've, we've had frustrations with the secondary all year and you know what? I, I, I would love to give the report that they are getting a little bit better. I don't think they are. I think that Jair Alexander has been slipping a little bit over the course of the season, not playing quite as well as he was. Right. Same with Rasul Douglas. And then, like, the one guy who you were really hoping was going to start picking things up a bit was Adrian Amos. Because over the last two years, he has had slow starts to the season and then picked things up over the last, like, uh, four to five weeks of the regular season. So far, that is not happening. He's not playing very well. Um, if, uh, if that sounds wrong to you and you're like, man, I feel like I've seen him make a couple plays. He does have some highlight plays, you know, making that tackle on uh two, two Atwell on the jet sweep this past week. That was fantastic. But the, the bigger problem is just the down to down consistency. He just has not been reliable. And that's my big concern there. So overall, you know, you got uh Rudy Ford, who he's kind of hot and then cold. Like he's pretty much uh, alternates every week, whether he's the highest graded player on defense or the lowest graded player on defense. It's kind of funny. Um, so if we can get a little more like just consistency out of him, I love the highs um, and I can live with the lows, uh, but I could live with them a little bit easier if the rest of the secondary was playing better than they are. Yeah, the secondary has been an issue. And, you know, here's the thing, though, and I'm going to say this, and I'm sure some people will not be happy to hear it. The strategy that Joe Barry employs to try to stop the big play and and use that soft zone mm-hmm. might actually be the best strategy against this tough Dolphins receiving core. That's a good point. Good point. And, 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 you know, I guess, you know, the old expression, even a blind squirrel catches the acorn every once in a while. Well, this is the situation where the things that Joe Barry wants to do might actually be a good idea against this receiving core in particular. So let's see, you know, making the Dolphins go eight, nine, ten plays to try to score and preventing Waddle, who is averaging 18 yards a catch and Hill, who is maybe the fastest receiver in the league, 
from getting 40, 50, 60 yards at a play, that is going to be key to, for the Packers to win this game. And then, you know, to me on the, on the flip side, but it's uh, again, sort of coordinating your units. They cannot get away from running the football. They have got to run the ball and keep the Miami offense off the field uh, in, in yeah. order to have a chance to pull off this upset. So, not you know, I, I I do I definitely agree with you there about that. You want to have long possessions to keep Miami off the field. Hundred percent agree there. I will say that this the the Dolphins defense does not scare me very much. You got two guys on the whole defense who um really really uh, threaten you in any kind of way, and they're both on the defensive line. You got Christian Wilkins playing out of his mind, a career year for him, and then Jalen Phillips. He's a, a second year. Uh, pass rusher out of Miami and right. didn't have a very impressive rookie season, but he, holy smokes, has just exploded this year. But he's the guy, remember, we mentioned his questionable with leg injury. If he can't go, I think you can do absolutely whatever you want with this defense. Their secondary is really bad. Xavier uh, Howard has just dropped off a cliff, just com- totally a liability in coverage. And then Noah Igbenogany on the other side, is much, much worse. Uh, the only linebacker that they have who uh, is really any good is Jerome Baker. And the thing he does best is rushing the passer, um, which, by the way, shout out to Quay Walker. Holy smokes, what a game yep. from Quay. Yep. Uh, really really showed up uh, in, in a nice way and kind of covered up for the fact that Devondre Campbell has not been playing very well these last three weeks at all. He's been um, honestly quite bad a lot of the time. Um, I mean, even the the announcers pointed out at one point that Cam Akers like pretty much just uh, picked up Devondre Campbell and carried him into the end zone for like eight yards. Uh, he really went for a ride there. Overall, though, this defense just not much going on. Even Javon Holland, uh, second year safety out of Oregon, who just absolutely lit it up last year, he's going through a bit of a sophomore slump. This defense, very, very vulnerable. And I think with the return of Romeo Dobbs, you can kind of do whatever you need to offensively. You have every level that you need to attack with. Christian is going to stretch the field vertically. Aaron Jones can stretch the field uh, horizontally. Uh, you you have uh, both types of running backs that you need and Romeo Dobbs underneath. I don't think that this is a, an offense that you can easily defend. And man, Christian Watson or uh, Romeo Dobbs only got uh, 10 snaps, but he caught five passes on those 10 snaps, uh, five targets, five receptions. Absolutely want to see him more involved uh, with the offense. I'm really excited to finally see a healthy Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs on the field together at the same time. It was really cool to see how they complemented each other. And Christian was really opening things up underneath for Romeo. And then, you know what? The second you try and defend Romeo, all of a sudden Christian is going to absolutely murder you over the top. So I I like the Packers offense a lot in this matchup. It really is going to come down to, as you said, can you keep the Dolphins offense off the field? And when they are on the field, can you do enough in coverage without having to, uh, you know, seed the running game? Uh, to Raheem Mostert, I think that's the big challenge there. Yeah, that that is the big challenge. And, you know, to me, uh, this isn't going to be easy, but there are some things I really like. And and I'm going to say this, 
put this in the back of your mind. I think that one way that the Packers can really keep long drives alive, you don't want to get away from the running game too much, but I think another factor is this, and we saw it a bit last week. I want both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. Keep those hmm, chains like moving like with those five, six, seven-yard passes. Occasionally, one of them can break it. I mean, I don't think too many safeties are eager to tackle a 250-pound uh, running back in space. But realistically, I, I think getting them involved in the short passing game, getting – I think we'll see more of Dobbs. I think they limited his – uh, pitch count, so to speak, in his first game back from injury, but I think we'll see him on the field a little bit more. And I hope we see a little more Alan Lazard. I think after the interception, Rodgers just did not look his way after that last week. Yeah, I don't know. I'm For me, the needle is trending down on Alan Lazard. I, I don't think he's been playing very well recently. I think that Aaron Rodgers' trust in him has been shaken a bit recently, and I'm not I'm not really upset with him over the interception. I think that that was more on Rodgers than on Lazard, but you've had a number of times over the last few weeks where Rodgers tried to trust Lazard and it just didn't pan out, and I feel like his confidence in Lazard is a bit shaken. Um, and and it, like you said, it, it kind of shows up that he is not throwing to Lazard as much recently, so that does make me nervous. But if it means more opportunities for Romeo Dobbs, uh, that is, um, you know, that's a trade-off I'll take because as of right now, I have a pretty low degree of, of confidence that Alan Lazard will be back here again next year anyways. I, I think there might be a lack of interest on both sides in having him in a Green Bay uniform again next year. Just my personal observations. I agree with you on that to this extent. I think the only way Alan Lazard is back is if he tests the market, does not have any takers who are going to give him wide receiver one or wide receiver two type money. And then the Packers say, okay, you know our system. We know you. We know what you could do. We like your blocking ability. Will you come back as a wide receiver three? And if if that's agreeable to both t- uh, sides and, and they can agree on terms, that's the only way I see him back. I mean, I, I think Lazard is basically like a wide receiver two and a half. I, I think yeah. that I, I, I think it's reasonable to ask him to uh, carry a wide receiver two load and to pay him as such. But, um, you know, the fact that he tried to hold out this uh, past preseason for more money and the Packers didn't give in and, and call his bluff and forced him to play anyways, I feel like that is not going to help things very much at negotiation time. Um, and, and I think that I think that uh, there are teams out there who would be willing to give him you know, maybe similar to MVS type money, uh, maybe not quite that much just because of the, the MVS's speed. But, you know, if, if he can probably get eight, nine million a year from some team for maybe a, a two year deal. I think that is certainly conceivable. Uh, we do got to get our, our score predictions in here. Uh, just uh, update from last week. Gill's prediction was 24-10. The final score was 24-12. So. Bravo, Gil. Uh, excellent prediction work from you right there. And 
I mean, 12 is a hard score to predict anyway, so uh, we'll give that to you. So, Gil, you got two points for last week. I got one point, so you made up some ground on me. I'm three points ahead. This week, Miami is four point or four point favorites over the Packers. The over under is set at 46 and a half. Now, I will tell you, I'm smashing the over on that. But Gil, uh, who are you picking to win, and and what is your score prediction here? You know, I hate to do this because I don't want this to be the outcome, but I'm looking at Miami 30, Green Bay 23. Similar to mine. So I was looking at this for a long time and looking at what the Dolphins have done recently, what the Packers have done recently, 31-24 with the Packers winning felt right. But I just I don't think I can pick the Packers to win this. And so as I keep trying to figure out, like, well, what would a loss look like here? I think it would be. Um, an instance where there are a couple of times, you know, maybe once or twice throughout the game where a uh, really long touchdown gets away from you, whether that's like a, a uh, just a blown coverage and a guy runs for 60 yards, or if it really is just a, a deep pass and then you watch and it's like, uh, I don't know, uh, Adrian Amos chasing a guy down, something like that. So I decided to give a few more points to Miami. I am picking the Packers to lose 31 to 33. But man, that 31 to 24, I think is absolutely a possibility uh, if the if the the Packers secondary can uh, do enough and and just play a disciplined enough game to prevent uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle from getting behind them. If they can keep everything in front of them, I think you can do enough to win this game. But if you allow you know one or two uh, really big plays that go for touchdowns. I think that's where the score uh, starts to get out of hand and, you know, you're, you're giving up somewhere in the, in the thirties, maybe even the high thirties to the dolphins. That is a, that that's what I think it looks like if the Packers lose this, but I am picking the Packers to lose by two points. All right. Well, e- either way, it's a one score game on both of our predictions and it looks like we both have the over. All right. Gil's got to get going. So we're going to ramp this up. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, sorry about the audio quality. Um, but appreciate you tuning in to our Dolphins breakdown. I'm excited about this game. I think it's going to be a little bit hard to steal away from the family in the middle of the day to watch some football, but we'll see what we can make happen. And uh, you know, thank the good Lord for uh, Game Pass or NFL Plus, whatever they're calling it now, so I can go back and see anything that I don't get to uh, pay super close attention to. From my family and Gil's family to yours, we want to wish you a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate in your family. I hope that you are able to um, have a good time. Stay safe. These uh, winter storms are really crazy. Uh, We already have mm, about a foot of snow, not quite a foot of snow, about nine inches out there. We're supposed to get about two feet of snow at my house. Uh, So fingers crossed that we don't lose power. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.